So today, our second lesson in building below the baseline, the emphasis of the lesson today is going to be trusting God and a very familiar portion of Scripture, I'm sure to most of us, the story of Elisha, the Tishbite, and the widow of Zarephath. So let's uh, read together, uh, follow along as I read verses 1 through 16, and then we'll have a word of prayer and get into our Bible study this morning. 1 Kings 17, verse 1. And Elisha the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the, the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. And bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you'd bless the Bible study this morning and to speak to our hearts, draw each of us closer to you in a very real, personal, and powerful way. Help me as I bring the lesson in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as you see on your handout, without a solid foundation to our Christian lives, the activities or ministries in which we take part can very well crumble. So, as we said last week, a structure without a firm foundation really, in the end, is useless, and it can even be disastrous. Now, I'm not a big person on a lot of government regulation. I think sometimes, many times, the government over-regulates things. But every now and then, the government does get some things right. And uh, one of the things that the 
government and the United States has done, I think, right, is in certain areas of the country, there are certain requirements with regards to building codes for buildings that'll deal with earthquakes. And um, I was in Haiti, I forget how many years ago, it's been quite a while now, I lose track of time, but probably over 10 years ago, I was in Haiti right after the earthquakes there. And in Haiti, they had like no regulations on building buildings. In most third world countries, uh, many countries have no regulations whatsoever. So when an earthquake hits, the, the, the devastation, not only in the infrastructure and in the buildings, but in the loss of life is multiplied many, many, many times over uh, as opposed to countries where they have some laws and regulations with regards to building and being prepared for an earthquake. And um, for instance, in our country, in, in California and Alaska, the building codes are pretty stringent because they get hit with earthquakes there. Um, and, I'm, and with regards to building, that takes time and it takes more effort. And, um, but it's important because when a disaster like an earthquake comes, like I said, there's, a, there's lives that are saved and buildings that are saved and infrastructure that is saved. And the point of all that is you've got to take time, you've got to do it right. So in our own personal Christian lives, it's important that we continue to build upon the foundation, uh, the chief cornerstone, of course, being Jesus in our Christian lives and uh, maintaining that. So in our, in our account today of regards to Elijah, uh, we're going to see some things how Elijah trusted God here. And so Pick it up again in, um, in verses uh, 1 through 5. Um, you know, it's amazing about Elijah. This isn't really part of the lesson, but he just kind of arrives on the scene. We don't really know a lot about Elijah up until this point in his life. And then we find out some things about him and uh, we can learn, learn from these things. But he was the prophet that trusted God. And that is all part of your life and my life as believers learning to trust God as we go, as we go through life. And uh, Elijah here is going to, he is going to learn some things and um, pass these things on not only to us, but we would see he'd pass these things uh, on to Elisha, uh, the next generation. So the first God asks Elijah to do is, well, first he tells him that there's going to be a drought. There's not going to be any rain for three years. And so then he gives him instruction. And that's all part of trusting God. God, wants to, God is instructing us on a daily basis. Every day, God desires to instruct us. Uh, you and I, we need to have ears and hearts that are open to the instruction of God each and every day. But he tells Elijah, you need to go to the brook Cherith. And so in verse 2, the word of the Lord came unto him, get the ants, turn eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And so that's what he does. And he's going to provide for, he's going to provide for the prophet there. And so he commands the ravens to feed him. And that in itself is, is a very miraculous thing. I mean, can you imagine sitting by the brook and the ravens come each day 
not, they didn't come, as you read the account here, they didn't come uh, just once with a whole mess of food. They came each day, and they brought Elijah food to eat each day. And kind of reminds me of Jesus teaching, give unto, give unto this day, or give us unto this day our daily bread. And each day he would be taken care of. So Elijah's learning here that he's going to trust God. And wherever God takes you, God's going to provide. God is a providing God. There's an old saying that says, where God guides, God provides. And it's true, and that's learning to trust God, that God will provide for you. And to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 on our handout. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He'll provide. And um, our human tendencies, though, seem to run contrary to trusting God. I remember when God was calling me into the ministry, um, just wondering at that time, if I remember correctly, I think we had five children. And um, I had owned and started and owned my own business for quite a few years, but really was sensing that God wanted to, me to be in the ministry. In fact, just really dealing with the issue of either God wants me in business full-time or God wants me in the ministry full-time. And it was quite a daunting challenge to go into the ministry full-time because uh, financially, the church really couldn't afford to pay a full-time salary. But I really believed that God wanted me to be in the ministry full-time. And, and I really believed at the time that he did not want for me to be involved in secular work. Now, every person is different. Every pastor is different. God's calling. I know numbers of men who went into ministry uh, and they worked full-time secular jobs as well as pastored. And if that's what God wants you to do, then that's what you should do. I knew a man who pastored, he's still pastoring in Vermont now, almost 40 years. For 30 of those 40 years, he worked a full-time job and he pastored the church that God called him to. But I really believed that God wanted me to just be full-time in the ministry. So, I had to get to the point where I was going to just trust God. And um, I didn't know how we were going to do it uh, with kids and a house and a mortgage and, and uh, so on and so forth. But I just stepped out by faith. Now, for the first uh, pastoring here, for the first, uh, I think it was the first four years, I did work full time. And then... Like I said, as the church was slowly growing, I just felt that was the next step of faith. If we were going to do this, we were going to do this. And so, uh, like I remember correctly, the first few years, the, the church couldn't afford to pay any salary to the pastor, but pay the bills. And then the, second, the third year, I think the church began to pay me $200 a week, and I had to give the $200 a week back to pay the bills. <laughs> and then the fourth year, I think I was able to keep $100 of it. But the church was kind of growing a little bit, and, and not not where I weren't going gangbusters. But the offering, the offerings were stable, but not really enough still to pay a, a salary. And so, but I decided I thought that's is what God wanted me to do. And so, the business that I had, I 
divested myself of it. I didn't even sell the business. I just sold all the inventory to a guy that worked for me and um, stepped out by faith. And then the very next week, the offerings in church doubled. And haven't looked back since. So it's just, you have to learn, this is part of faith and trusting God and living by faith. And here, here's Elijah. He's called, he's called to go and to sit and just trust God, that God would provide his food. And God did provide his food. And these ravens in verse 6, uh, they brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. So every morning and every evening. Now, Elijah had no idea God was going to do this. He just trusted God. And God provided for him. Our human tendencies, though, run contrary to trusting God. And, uh, but that's what faith is about. But this is just the first step in, in Elijah's life. And, and life is filled with building moments. And um, the next step that would, 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 would happen here is that God would say to Elijah, all right, now I want you to go to the city or the town of Zarephath. So in verse 8, the word of the Lord came unto him saying, arise, get thee to Zarephath. The brook dried up because of the drought, and now God's going to move him on, Elijah, to the next place. So let's read verses 9 and 10 again. So arise, get thee to Zarephath. By the way, does anybody know the, 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 the name of the town, Zarephath? Anybody know what that means? It means refinement. Isn't that interesting? God is bringing Elijah to the, to the town. It's called refinement. And that's what happens as we just each step of the way trust God by faith. He's refining us. He's growing us. And so he says, let's go to Zarephath. And um, which belongs to Zion, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. And verse 10, so he arose and he went to Zarephath. And um, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called her to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. So Zarephath is a little town, a little Mediterranean town. And uh, anybody remember, who is the king and the queen right now? Ahab and Jezebel. And Zarephath. Wouldn't you know it, but you know whose hometown that is? It's Jezebel's hometown. It doesn't even, so God's calling now. God's call, first God tells Elijah, go and sit by the brook and the birds are going to feed you, the ravens. But then the next step, which is kind of from a, from a logical or illogical point of view, is now go to Zarephath. And anybody know what kind of, you remember, who did Jezebel, she, wasn't, she didn't believe in the one true living God, you know who she worshipped? Anybody know? One of the gods in the Old Testament, probably one of the more familiar ones. Huh? Begins with a B, ends with an L, and there's two letters in the middle that are the same. <laughs> Baal. Baal. She was a worshiper of Baal. And the city of, that's who they worship there. So God calls Elijah to a Baal-worshipping city to where the queen, wicked Jezebel, 
But what else is different? Now, just go ahead and just read those two verses again, verses 9 and 10. What else about this, this town uh, would make you kind of, if you were Elijah, question God's, God's brought you to this town and, 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 and he's got to trust God. What else about this? In verses 9 and 10 would be, would be kind of, oh, this is kind of strange. Not yet. No, it's right there. Just look at it in those two verses. Verses 9 and 10. Did you put verse 9 up on the Ginny. The woman didn't believe in Baal. She didn't follow him. That's true. We don't really know. Actually, we're not really sure what the woman believed in. Yes, it, and that's very true. She, she, yeah. Let me just back back up. You're you're right. She wasn't a Baal worshiper. But what else about this? Yes. Well, the Lord, the Lord commanded her to take care of Elijah. Yeah. Yes. Um, they got there. Um, they uh, and what's you're right on. What's strange about that? Uh, the woman being a widow would have been unlikely to be a widow. Yeah, if you didn't hear Major said the woman being a widow would have been very unlikely to help Elijah. In fact, we read here. What is she preparing to do? She's preparing to take the little bit that she has to eat it, feed her son, and then die. So we're talking about the topic of trusting God. First, God brings Elijah to a brook and feeds him there. Then the next step is now go to a widow. And the widow woman is going to take care of you. It made no sense. A widow woman in that, that time and in that place uh, had no one to take care of her. She would have been of the most limited of means. Very little did she have. And yet God says to, God says to Elijah, I want you to go to her. She's going to take care of you. An unlikely place. But God says, go, and Elijah goes. And an unlikely person. It made no human sense to follow God's direction. But nonetheless, it was the word of God. And God said, go, go. And he goes. And he's trusting God. And that's Elijah. He's building. His faith here is all being, being built by on all of this so um he arose verse 10 and he went to zarephath and when he came to the uh, gate of the city the widow woman was there gathering the six he called her and said fetch me i pray thee a little water in a vessel that i may drink and so now we switch on the back of your handout to the widow woman she's tested by god and uh, as Ginny said she's she's living in a town that she's probably surrounded by Baal worshippers. Um, 
she is just barely sustaining herself. In fact, she's, she's reached perhaps the, the, end of the, the end of her rope, if you will, that when she says, I'm just going to take what I have, eat it, we're going to die. Um, but God uses unlikely people, right? Unlikely places, unlikely people. So let me tell you another story about my ministry here. So it, and different people that God has used throughout the time. So I was called one day, and I was asked to visit a man and his wife in the hospital. The wife, they were an older couple. The wife was having surgery, and it was actually a family from, a, from the Journey Church, Tabernacle Baptist Church then, but she asked if I'd go see her mom in the hospital. So I went and I did. And um, the church is still pretty young at this particular time. Oh, maybe I've been pastoring for 10 years. And, uh, you know, and our finances were always such that we've never had a, a lot of extra. We probably in the last five years and during the time when we built the addition, um, we had extra finances. Uh, when we built the addition out the back of the church, we had $50,000 in the bank, and truth be told, that $50,000 was primarily from our Christian school, because none of the teachers got paid in our Christian school. They all worked as a ministry. So I was able to take that money, put it aside, put it aside, put it aside, and then the church raised another $60,000. Uh, we just took an offering and raised $60,000 and built that addition out the back. But anyhow, it was previous to that, or maybe right around that time, and, um, and, and often during these years, for me to get paid, depended on that week's offering. Uh, I can remember in the one year in the winter, we had two snowstorms on a Sunday in a row, and uh, there wasn't enough money to pay me. And, uh, so, and, and then it seems whenever you have a snowstorm and people don't, don't come, it's they kind of, your, your finances drop. And it uh, never really gets made up. But the Lord had taken care of me up to that point, and so we just kept going. But it was about that time that uh, I got this call. And so a woman went through the surgery. They were housebound. They really couldn't come to church. They might have come once. I don't know. I don't think they ever came. But they asked if I, the, the, a couple of years later, the woman died, and I went up and I visited the man. He lived on Florida Mountain, and I began to visit him. And all of a sudden, after the second or third visit one day, I'm there, just me and him, he, he hands me some money. And not, not $10 or not $20, it's like $200. And uh, so I'm a little bit hesitant, you know, to take that money. So I didn't, and I called the daughter, and I said, you know, I was up visiting your dad, and he wanted to give me like $200, and I didn't really feel comfortable doing that. They, they had their own home, and they had lived there their whole lives. So she said, no, no, no. She said, that's okay. If he wants to give it to you, just go ahead and take it. I said, are you sure? I said, but every time he's going to give it to me, I'm going to call you and let you know. She said, that's fine. So I went up. I usually would go up every three or four weeks and visit with him for a while. And the next time I went up, 
I don't know, $200, $300. Call the daughter. And, and that was not for me personally, that was for the church. So I just put it in the offering. $500, $300. He had this wall with VHS tapes. And he would pull one out, and he had all this money stuffed in all these. I don't know how much, but one day I called his daughter, and I said, I don't know how much money your dad's got stuffed around the house, but when your dad passes away, you need to search the house, because every time I go up there, he's pulling money out. And this went on for like two years. And then, and then this gentleman went to be with the Lord, and I preached his funeral. And, um, but I'm telling you that because God uses unlikely people Unlikely situations. The woman here in Zarephath, what's her name? What is her name? We have no idea what her name is. None. But for thousands of years, people have been telling this story about this woman, that God commanded her. So we're, we're to be mindful of that that God uses different people. On your handout, 1 Corinthians, it says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Think about different people in the Bible. Think about this for a minute. Some, I, was, I, I hadn't planned to do this, but this morning when I was going over my notes at my house, I thought about this. What are some other people in the Bible or, or illustrations in the Bible? I'm going to give you two that are unnamed. So let me just give you one. One, you remember the woman who put her two mites in? We don't know her name, but she's just unnamed. She was just trusting God by faith. And then I think it's actually on your handout. In fact, yes, under resources, John 6, 9. There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. He's nameless, but God's used him. God used him and um, her, the, she, her resources. Anybody can think of any, any other people in the Bible that God used, but were they're nameless. Go ahead. The rich man who went to hell? Yeah. Well, that's not a good one to be named. <laughs> right. well, any others? Can you think of any? Yes. The Samaritan woman at the well. Yes, excellent. What else? Woman that touched Jesus' garment. Woman that touched Jesus' garment. It's a lot. Huh? It's a lot if you just read Jesus' ministry. Yeah. They didn't name the guy that he cast out the demons from. Right? Right. What else? Good. Good. Yes. Centurion. The centurion? Several centurions, actually, seven centurions in the Bible. Nameless. Anybody think about this? The Philippian jailer. Yes. The servant girl from Naaman. Yeah, in the Old Testament. Right. Good. What else? Any others? All these people are nameless people, but they're not nameless to God. Amen? God knew who they were. And God knows who you are. And so sometimes we look at the situations in which the more well-known individuals in the Bible are mentioned. 
um, unlikely places or unlikely people. Joseph, in the unlikely places that God put him. But God, he learned, he, he learned to trust God. I'm sure we'll be talking about Joseph in the coming weeks. He learned to trust God. The foundation of his life was being, was being built through each of these places. So the widow is tested by God. The, the place that she lived was not really conducive to Christian living, or to, to uh, wouldn't be Christian living then, but biblical living to the one true living God. But yet, there she was serving God. Her resources, just a handful, just a little. Remember the, remember the hymn, Little is much when God is in it? Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth and fame. There's a race and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. Great old hymn. That's the chorus, I think, to that hymn. So you don't have to be a Daniel or a Joseph or a Moses. Uh, you can be a widow woman and God will use you. And, and here we are. Uh, each of us can be, and, and many of you are being used of God. Many of you, you've been faithful in, in as far as your financial giving or your missions giving, or faithful in ministries in the church here. Anything from teaching all the way up to, con or to construction work or whatever it is, or driving a van or making a meal. Your faithfulness, God's building the base. The woman, the widow woman, she was tested by God. She had very little, but what she had, she would, she would use. So someone said this, I wrote it down. The question is never how much we have. The question is always this. How tightly are we holding on to it? And I don't just mean, I'm not just talking about financially, but, you know, the three T's are time, our treasures, our talents. How tightly do we hang on to them or are we using them to build God's kingdom? She used what resources that she had here uh, in verse 12. And he said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I, or she said, I have not a cake, but I have a handful of meal in a barrel, a little cruise of oil, little oil on a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Now, we learned something else about the woman here. She'd come to the, she, she was allowing her circumstances to dictate her decisions. So God's not only building Elijah's faith, God's going to build the widow woman's faith as well. She's ready to give up. And so, we shouldn't be too hard on people sometimes they're ready to give up. Because life can be hard sometimes, right? And sometimes we just want to throw in the towel and just give up. And the widow woman had kind of come to this place here. She was allowing her reasoning to take control here. Letting her circumstances dictate her outcome. But that's the human side of life. That's what we all experience. Human reasoning and many, many times will always pull us away from God, not to God. But God always has a better way. The question is, are we listening? 
Isaiah on your handout. God said, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways. My ways, saith the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I said earlier, it made no sense for me at that point in my life to go into the ministry. No human sense whatsoever. Except that I had a burning desire in my heart that that's what God wanted me to do. But that's how we grow our faith. A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that really can't be trusted. So that's just stepping out by faith. And then we finish up with, so we learn about Elijah, we learn about the widow, but the believer, you and I, the believer always triumphs in God. Now, what do you find? Do you find anything odd about verse 13? Look what it says. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. You find anything? Uh, you can come on in, Sylvia, if you want. All right. What do you find? Do you find something about that that's a little kind of like, why did this? Yeah, I guess you could take it that way. Yes? Um, I take it in, like, either Elijah has enough faith that um, it won't matter how much he has, like, that God is really going to listen to the exact amount that she has, or that he's not listening to her and just saying, just give it. Well, I think the first part is right. I think Elijah has enough faith that God's going to provide for them. But it was, it was like Jim said, Elijah asked to be fed first. It's kind of funny. Whenever we have a meal, I've always, I've always made it uh, my practice that when we have a church meal or a missions conference, I always like one of the last people to eat. Um, when, I go to, when I would go to camp and work at camp, I would often be the last one of the last people online it wasn't wasn't because I was so humble but if you're the last person you can take as much as you want because everybody else has eaten <laughs> but 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 here at the church I always would as the pastor I'd always want other people to eat first it's just what you would do It'd be like inviting people to your home you want to serve your guests first and then uh, you go you go next um, but yeah Elijah says well you feed me first there'll be enough so he's building this woman's faith. Um, but look on your handout, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Proverbs says this, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. And so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. In some ways, this is, this is being illustrated here. The, Elijah's the man of God. And Elijah's teaching her, oh, Give to the things of God first, and all these other things will take, take care of themselves. And that is an area in our lives that we have to learn. Uh, and for some people, it's, it's um, more difficult than others. When Shelley and I became Christians, um, giving, financial giving, it just, man, we just started right away. 
Now, some of that, I have to admit, was because that's the family I grew up in. Uh, my mom and dad were believers, and, and they always gave, and we'd give to missions. Shelly, though, she came from a home of atheist agnostics. Now, they thought churches were beggars. They criticized offerings. But right from the get-go, we just, well, let's just go ahead and give. We just believed what the Bible said. We just believed what was preached. That uh, he which, in fact, it's on your handout, he with, at the very, at the very bottom, uh, 2 Corinthians 9.6, but I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. We just believed that. That we would give to God and we would give to God first. And so the woman here, as we finish up, the woman does what she's told. The barrel of meal, Elijah said, it's not going to waste. God told me. And uh, until the day the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth, God will take care of you until it rains again and there's food again. And so verse 15, she did. She went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And uh, she and he and her house, and they did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to to the word of the Lord. I don't know if you noticed it, but in these 16 verses, verse 2, verse 5, verse 8, and verse number 16 are the, is the phrase, the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. You can never go wrong when you obey the word of the Lord. You just can't. And um, the widow women's learning this. Elijah's learning this. And all down through history, people have read this, and they're learning this as well. Is your faith being tested? Well, that's between you and the Lord. But trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. God's promises are true. God is trustworthy. Part of building our faith and building our faith and keeping the foundation strong. Let's pray. Lord, bless now the morning worship service. Let it bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you in our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.